0: Welcome to Manufacturing Tomorrow, focusing on advanced manufacturing innovations, solutions, and partnerships that exist in our region now and in the future. Welcome to Manufacturing Tomorrow, a new podcast series about manufacturing innovation. This series is brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Marty Kress, I'm your host. Today we are speaking with Mark Russell, president and chief operating officer of Worthington Industries. Mark has also served as the president of Worthington Steel. Prior to his leadership role at Worthington, Mark was manager of corporate development for Alcoa and chief executive officer of Indelux, one of the world's largest producers of extruded aluminum products. Early in his career he worked as a corporate attorney. Worthington Industries is a world leader in manufacturing pressure cylinders such as propane tanks, refrigerant and industrial tanks, scuba tanks I'm dying to talk about, stairs for mid-rise buildings, steel pallets and racks, and suspension grid systems for panel ceilings. Mark, welcome to the show. We're honored to have you here. Thanks Marty, good to be here. Mark, tell us a little about Worthington Industries. As someone new to Ohio, I've driven by that facility for 40 years because I've always worked with people in Columbus um, based on what I know, it's quite a company.
1: Well, it's amazing how many people in Columbus think when they drive past that campus just north of 270 there that that's all we are. And we have 80 facilities around the world in many different countries. Wow. So it's a much bigger company than a lot of local people think. We were founded in 1955 by John H. McConnell, who was a former <coughs> steel salesman, who saw an opportunity to, f- to fill a niche in the steel industry for, for the processing and smaller quantity sales, and the company grew rapidly you know, over the years, uh, went public in 1968, um, moved to the New York Stock Exchange uh, not too long ago, actually, and uh, today we we have over $3 billion in sales. Uh, that's not counting a bunch of joint ventures that we have. We have 10 or 12 joint ventures around the world, and if you count the, the equity portion of those, we're close to a $4 billion
0: company now. That's pretty incredible. Based on uh, what I read about you on the webpage, you have 7,000 customers. And let me list just some of the product lines that it showed. It had automotive, leisure and recreation, industrial gas, agriculture, construction, HVAC, lawn and garden, office equipment and appliances. How do you keep them all happy? And (laughs) now I better understand when we say specialty steel. How do you make that work in terms of innovation and flexibility in the plant? Because you got a really diverse product line.
1: We really do. We, you know, starting out with with steel processing, we branched out to all kinds of manufactured metal products, mostly metal. We we do a now we do some composite things and some other uh, advanced materials. Uh, but we we have products that range from the fuel systems for a giant ocean-going container ship. Uh, to uh things that you'd find on the on the shelf at your local big box gotcha <laughs> so there's a <laughs> my lot propane of
0: propane tank in the backyard compliments of worthington steel probably you know that's how i <laughs> yeah. some
1: i sometimes introduce the company to people that way i say you know we're all around you and you don't know it so if you're in a vehicle in north america and it was assembled in north america um i can bet you that our steel's in there and i'll and i'll have house odds i'll win more you know we have more than 50 percent of the cars in north america wow have our steel in them. If you're in a commercial building, in an office building typically, and there's a, you know, the drywall is held up by a steel stud behind that wall, that's from one of our joint ventures. Um, if you have acoustic tile over your head, uh, we have really fancy acoustic tiles over this head. <laughs> if you have acoustic tile over your head like is in most commercial buildings, that, that tile's held up by grid produced by one of our joint ventures. And if you've ever done a backyard barbecue, you use one of our cylinders to power your grill, if you've ever done a home improvement project, you use one of our cylinders to, to solder or braise your plumbing. And if you've ever gone camping, you use one of our cylinders to to uh, run your gas grill or your, your lantern.
0: It's pretty incredible. It's almost like you need to put your little logo down in the corner of every product. I know the primes don't always like that, but uh, I, again, I did think, as to most people in the community, that what you see is on 270. So... Talk about going global and what that meant for the company, and what's your current breakdown in terms of domestic and global markets?
1: We're still over 90% domestic in North America, uh, especially. We, we're expanding rapidly in Mexico, but um, we're still mostly a U.S. company. Uh, but we have gone global in, uh, mostly in our cylinders, product lines, we actually just uh, recently announced uh, uh, the f- formation of a joint venture with a Japanese, with two Japanese partner companies to uh, do a, our first rolling mill in China. So that's one of our first international steel expansions. But in the cylinders business, we're, we're now uh, in several locations in Europe, uh, India, you know, expanding around the globe rapidly.
0: There's, um, you know, there are icons in every industry and in the U.S. when you say steel, people would always say Bethlehem, U.S. Steel but the specialty steel companies have really not only maintained their competitive posture, you're increasing market share and customers. How did you do that? What kind of workforce that, that, does that take? And what kind of technology innovation uh, did you have to integrate into the plants to be that competitive?
1: Well, our founder was, a, was an innovator from the beginning. I mean, he, he saw a niche from the beginning and then continued to do that throughout his life. And we're trying to expand that to the broadest possible scale. So he, he kind of started the steel processing business. And when the, the electric arc furnace came along, mm-hmm. and that caused big competitive problems for the old line steel company names you mentioned, because they were more agile and lower cost. They used scrap instead of iron ore. and uh, But their product at first wasn't up to quality standards. And one of the things we did for the industry at that time was to correct their quality to, uh, to the prevailing Highest standards, which were typically an automotive, so we, we invented what we call one-pass technology, which took you know product that wasn't quite up to snuff and made it suitable. So that was a great you know innovation for us for a while, and we've continued to do that. Uh, one of our great niches right now is galvanized steel, which is used for lots of applications where corrosion is an issue, and uh, we're a, a big producer of galvanized steel, but our we got a, a niche there as well. So. And we put galvanized steel only on hot rolled steel, not on cold rolled steel. Most people do cold roll. We do hot roll. And that gives us a cost advantage from the applications where that works. So
0: So, uh, innovation is at the heart of everything. Technology, business, process control, the whole shebang. Yeah, that's great. Tell me a little, you know, your founder was from this area, but you continue to grow in this area. What makes in Ohio an attractive place for Worthington Industries? Well, you know, our founder was
1: actually born in West Virginia, Pewtown, uh, but uh, he went to school. And he went to school in Michigan. Oh no! <laughs> 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 he, he played football for Michigan State, actually. Oh no!
0: <laughs>
1: but he was a he was a great supporter. Stop there! <laughs> <laughs> he was a great supporter of the Buckeyes as well, okay. um, and uh, we also have a, obviously have a lot of Ohio State people in the company, and a lot of Ohio people in the company. Ohio. Uh, it's always been a a good place for business and a good place to raise a family and that's one of the reasons i think that he was attracted to you know he wasn't that far away when he grew up and to him a place like columbus was you know almost like heaven and uh, so he he adopted it as his hometown and and you know after he was successful did a lot to give back so he, you know help help bring the the blue jackets to columbus and help uh, build a hospital in part of riverside and and did a lot and helped at the zoo, did a lot of other things that people don't even know about to, to help the community.
0: So within Worthington Industries is a social responsibility theme that's important to the region and to the company.
1: Well, in business schools, they like to call it stakeholder theory now, yes. uh, but we were way ahead of that, I think. <laughs> Mr. Mack, our founder, uh, uh, believed in giving back to the community and being a good citizen.
0: It's fantastic. As you um, look to the future, one of the issues we hear a lot about is the lack of of the workforce with the skills we need to maintain our competitive edge. Do you have any trouble recruiting, and what do you do to maintain the skill levels of your current workforce? Because again, it's a fast-evolving industry. Well, Marty, it's
1: one of the uh, dichotomies of the current economy, and and, re, and it's not just right now, although right now is especially an issue, is that in a you know, high-unemployment high economy, we have a tough time finding people to fill certain roles. <clears throat> we actually just recently completed doing a lot of uh, research on, on the data behind uh, what it takes to find and fill these, our critical roles. And we knew we had a shortage of things like welders, skilled trades. What we didn't realize is we had a shortage of, of engineers. Uh, we had a shortage of maintenance people. Actually, maintenance right now is our most critical need. When I say maintenance, I don't mean janitors. Right. I mean people who can maintain high-tech equipment. Right, they are very—they're It's a highly skilled position, um, and they're very uh, critical to keeping everything running and and improving it.
0: And you're right. The irony of this is those are high-paying jobs. There's stability within your corporation, and you think you'd be a magnet. Do we have an image issue? Do people think of manufacturing as you're, uh, you know, working in the coal pit, getting dirty every day? Do we understand how automated it is? And what do you do uh, in the community to help, you know, educate students in particular to show them this is a different industry, from the front-end design activities to the automated process controls? I mean, I tell people it's a technology platform and out comes a product. But when you walk into a plant today, it's a different world than it was 30 years ago.
1: I think people who haven't done that don't realize that. That even, even what they think as old line, rust belt type activities are, are amazingly high tech today.
0: I, I gave you a data point. At one point in my career, I ran NASA Glenn, and my engineers used to always think highly of what we did. And I had a classmate at MIT who was head of engineering for GM, and I took my NASA engineers to Detroit. Their mouse dropped. Because when you look at what manufacturing does and what you look at what you need to do competitive, when you work on timescales of months and a year maybe max versus a NASA project that was 20, they're phenomenal technical innovators. So th- that's one of the perception issues we're trying to deal with. It's how do you make people more aware of what manufacturing is today and the possibilities that it has for you as a career opportunity?
1: Well, we do well in places like Columbus where... You know we have an outstanding we have outstanding universities in addition to Ohio State. Ohio State's obviously our, our biggest partner, but we have great uh, partnerships and it's a great uh, source of talent for us uh, for the traditional business positions. But the ones that I just mentioned, um, uh, maintenance, welding, things like that, we're increasingly turning to partnerships with trade trade schools and training programs that that are government backed and sponsored in the in the locations where we operate. Around uh, North America, uh, globally, globally we find the equivalent of that in Europe, in China and India and places like that where we're you know where we are growing now. Uh, it's a whole different animal, <laughs> and we're and we're learning the ropes there.
0: We've been doing some benchmarking. The university's going to announce uh, its own new manufacturing initiative here shortly, and so we benchmark about fifty different entities around the world, starting with Fraunhofer's, which has become a synonym for innovation. And it really is incredible to see what's going on. Do you get engaged in any of the big public-private partnerships, either at the state level or at the national level? And do any of the major trade associations you belong to get actively engaged in those?
1: Yes, is the short answer. Um, Aaron Columbus, 2020. Um, And then you know, around the country and around the world, we look for, you know, we're a community, uh, responsible community citizen, and we're looking for those kinds of opportunities wherever we are. So that's, that's important to us.
0: Yeah, super, it's great to hear. One of the things that uh, always has impressed uh, me is, it's one thing for a company to have a good self-image, but you've been voted one of the best places to work, not once, but many times. What's the atmosphere that makes Worthington a great place to work?
1: Well, you know, our founder established a philosophy that we've, we've held to over the, you know, for more than half a century now, that one, we're a golden rule company. And you know, we, we treat each other like we would want to be treated. And, and that goes, and that's not just lip service at, at Worthington. People are the most important asset. Everybody says that, but that's that's not just talk, that's walked mm-hmm. at, at Worthington. And one of the other big things is uh, a profit-sharing culture. I think mean, this is a really innovative thing that our founder came up with many years ago where he decided he was going to take a, a, sh- a share of the of the profits of the company and, uh, and divide it with the entire team. And that has become a very powerful cultural component at Worthington. And it drives a lot of behavior. You'd be amazed. I was in one of our facilities yesterday looking at one of those Cool new robots, by the way. <laughs> <coughs> I was in a blinking facility that actually has lasers that weld the blinks together to dissimilar metals. And then the robot that, that stacks and sorts them can actually see which blink is which and, and stacks it accordingly, which is really cool. Yes. But <coughs> I can talk to people on the floor there operating a piece of machinery or, or a maintenance person or somebody like that about our income statement and they know <laughs> what they're talking about <laughs> because they get a share of the profits and we, we go over the income with them every quarter and uh, and they know how we make money and and what things cost and and they're very attuned to that
0: that's really great so i don't know, just work for the company i'm a shareholder and that gives you a little more swagger and pride
1: yeah we actually treat them better than the shareholders we pay profit sharing before we pay the dividend so
0: there you go <laughs> <laughs> i like that model i don't know if investors always do but i think it's great if, if you could, tell us about your own career transition. We talk about advanced manufacturing, we talk about the pace of technology, innovation, and adaptation. You're a corporate attorney that runs a major corporation that makes things. Who mentored you? What skills are key to your uh, day-to-day operation of a company like this that, like you said, you're in the business?
1: Yes, I am. <laughs> um, you know, it took me until 40 to figure out that I was actually born as an entrepreneur, <laughs> and I'm so grateful to have figured that out. Uh, I didn't I didn't uh, dislike it being an attorney ever. I practiced for for uh, you know several years. I never disliked it, but uh, I would say maybe one day out of five or one day out of ten, would, I would describe as fun. <laughs> being you know an entrepreneur in an entrepreneurial company like Worthington Industries, um, to me it's the opposite, you know. Four out of five or even nine out of 10 days is a lot of fun. Yes. Most days I go home and say, that was a lot of fun. And um, that's just so much more, more meaningful for me in my professional life uh, to, to do something that uh, has me that engaged. That's something that's a key component at Worthington is how many of our people are truly engaged and love what they do. We actually survey for that. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of a survey junkie <laughs> I love to survey. We use anonymous survey tools. Mm-hmm. We actually have an instant tool that I carry around with me sometimes. Hand out these things we call clickers and start asking questions. And and because they're anonymous, I always get what people really think. And that's so powerful. Yeah. I agree. And so you give me those clickers in 20 minutes, and I can tell you if one of our workforce you know one of our teams is, full, is 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 fully engaged, and if they're not engaged, I can tell I can figure out why not. Uh, that sometimes scares our HR and legal people, but because when you find out why not, you, we're, I'm very tempted to address it on the spot. Exactly. So <laughs> I like to do that, actually. Or
0: they'd like to assess it. <laughs> yeah, they, they,
1: they, have, they have procedures they want yes. to follow. Yes, so.
0: yes. Yeah, I had a, a great teacher uh, when I was getting my MBA, and her uh, philosophy was successful companies were the ones that maintained that spirit of entrepreneurship. They never got stale. They are always looking at new and innovative things. And it really sounds like you've ingrained that culture into Worthington.
1: Well, it's not me. That, the founder was an entrepreneur. His son, uh, John P. McConnell, who's the current chairman, he's, he is absolutely in his father's mold. He's a calculated risk taker. And, and then also is the same as his father in terms of, in terms of being a, you know, a man of honor and somebody who believes in the golden rule and thinks that people are the most important asset. Gotcha. So he's, he's a, he, he keeps the flame for that culture.
0: How do you gauge which technologies to embrace and win? Because, you know, I work in uh, in the field of technical innovation. And then there's something new every day, every week. And I tell people it used to be, you know, five-year centers. Now it's like every six months there's something sitting in front of me. And because of iPhones and things, we start to think everything changes. How do you make those business decisions as to what's best for Worthington? What's going to directly impact our market share, our competitive posture? How do you do that?
1: Those are some of the toughest calls we make, obviously. And right now, especially in the last two years, the bulk of of our risk capital has been pushed towards innovations that are coming about as a result of the shale gas revolution, which, of course, affects us here in Ohio with the Marcellus and Utica shale. And suddenly what I grew up with was the assumption that we were you know, running out of all petroleum in North America and, and natural gas peaked a long time ago. Now suddenly we're in this what looks like right. a long-term state of of cheap and abundant and clean natural gas, with uh, with all the things that that implicates. So anything any use of energy out there, the probably the cheapest and cleanest way to power it right now, is with natural gas. So uh, we're putting a lot of investment both into oil and gas equipment, which is one of our newest big business segments, and we put over 300 million of in investment after that in the last two years. Wow. And uh, we make uh, f- things that uh, separate the oil from the gas and then separate the water from the oil at the well head. Those are called gas processing units, heater treaters or, or separators. And those are, those are pretty complicated pieces of equipment that run extremely high pressure. Um, They're code certified pressure vessels and that's a kind of complicated piece of equipment. We also make the tanks that separate, that hold the liquids that are produced until a a truck can come and pick them up. So that's that's a fast growing uh, on the production side investment for us. On the consumption side, any mobile piece of equipment from a car to a truck to anything that moves to a ship, Mm -hmm. not planes yet, but everything else, any surface transportation Anything that moves will move most cheaply and cleanly right now in natural gas, and so you need you need a pressure vessel, okay. tanks, tanks, yes. and you know we've yes. been we've been at the forefront of that business for many decades, so it's an ex- extremely uh, powerful opportunity for us. We're making lots of investments in alternative fuels, both in the tanks to uh, to supply them, compressed tanks that are very high compression, like scuba tanks, and some of them mm-hmm. even higher than that. We make uh, hydrogen. Uh, fuel tanks for hydrogen-powered vehicles that are extremely high pressure, you know, two and three times scuba pressure, and, uh, and that very light, made with carbon fiber composite. And uh, we also are making now uh, cryogenic tanks, tanks that hold liquid natural gas, liquid methane, and keep it cold, a giant thermos. The, mm-hmm. the ship fuel system I was telling you about is made in our new facility in Turkey, um, that actually holds natural gas as a liquid and runs the ship's engines off of the natural gas. So that's where we're putting a lot of investment, a lot of our focus, and knowing when to jump on those technologies is uh, is you know, some of the toughest oh, calls ab- we
0: make. Absolutely key. <laughs> Last question, and, and, and one we'd like to end on. Again, what would surprise listeners if you had that one takeaway message you wanted to give them about Worthington, industries. What, what is that message and what would uh, surprise folks in the region to know?
1: Well, Marty, other than the fact that we're not just the campus of buildings you see north of 270 <laughs> and that we're all around the world, um, I think what would surprise people who've known us for a long time is how fast we're growing just in the last five years. You know, we got to uh, kind of where we were five years ago. We got there in the 90s and then we kind of uh, didn't grow for a while and our chairman was determined to get us back to being a growth c- company again, to be an innovator again, to be an entrepreneurial company again, and took some big risks to do that. Um, you know, some big risks on uh, technology. We, we, we invested a lot of money on enterprise software. Um, we hired some people from the outside. I'm actually one of them. I didn't grow up in Worthington. I you know, started out as a lawyer, and, and I, was, I was brought in about eight years ago and what a blessing that has been in my personal life but he's he's taken several risks to invest for the future that are now starting to pay off to where we are starting to grow again and we are well positioned to take advantage of these macro changes that are happening like the advent of cheap and clean natural gas to grow the company even further we're we're dreaming big
0: that's fantastic we're dreaming big great leadership is key to a good organization. If you can attract and retain talent and develop the assets you have, the workforce and the the facilities, you're gonna have a great future. We thank you immensely for being our guest today. This has really been enlightening.
1: Marty, thanks for having me.